thank you for joining us. Praise team, great job. Good job this morning. Really good. We're so excited that you're here this morning. Uh, we're continuing in this series. It's a new season. Man, I'm, I'm really excited about this, this series. I'm, I'm more excited about what the Lord is doing because God is doing something. He's doing something in my life, and I know that he's doing something in your life, and he's doing something in this church, and he's doing something across the globe as well. We're going to be going to Matthew uh, chapter 6 and 7. We're going to keep it tight here. This morning, we're going to stay in the same vicinity. But this morning's sermon is passion for Christ. And over the past couple of weeks, we've looked at the importance of our obedience to the Lord and how our trust in the Lord comes from an authentic relationship with him. On August 16th, I taught a message in this series. It was titled The Passion of Christ. And the primary focus of that sermon that morning was how passionate God is for us. And uh, we sang about it this morning, but you matter. You are important. And that's a message that we, I think we need to continually hear. And there are some people that just have a hard time receiving it for whatever reason, because of the woundedness in their lives or because of the things that are going on or the things that have happened. But we are his passion. God is passionate about us. Jesus was very passionate about us. I mean, he didn't go to the cross because he was, you know, just wanted to check it out and just kind of mediocre about this whole thing. He is passionate about us. And, and that's really kind of the, the heart of what I want to share this morning is about passion. You are greatly loved and valued. And I think it's really important that you understand that. Um, God really does love you. In fact, turn to your neighbor and tell, tell your neighbor, God really does love you. Now, neighbor, reciprocate. Tell him again, God really does love you. There you go. Now, look at me for a moment. I want to tell you something here. One plus one equals two. And there may be people that say, well, it equals 1.999 or 2.0001 or it equals something else. But the truth is that one plus one equals two, whether they believe it or not, or whether they can grasp that concept or not. And there are people, and there may be some of you struggling with this, either here or online, that are struggling with the truth and the fact that God really does love you. But you may not believe it, or you may not be able to receive it, but that doesn't change the truth. God really does love you, just like one plus one equals two. God really does love you. Hey, that's a rhyme. I didn't know that. <laughs> so if we miss this basic foundational truth, we will miss out on the completeness and the fullness of life that Christ came to give because that's the basic concept that we need to understand that God really does love us. And so we start with our children in the children's ministry, reinforcing that because there are people that have gone through life that have ruin their lives because they don't understand that concept. Maybe because they got caught up in legalism or, or religiosity. I don't even know if that's a word or not. But they've gotten caught up trying to find this connection or trying to make this thing happen when all they have to do is simply receive God's love. I wanna, I'm going to read this because I wrote this down and, and I didn't memorize it. But individuals that miss this truth that God really does love them will be trapped in a never-ending cycle and vortex of trying to earn his love or perform. 
and become so frustrated from trying to work hard enough that most will throw in the towel, give up, and walk away and say, I'm done with this thing because I can't keep doing this thing. Let me read this again. Individuals that miss this truth that God really does love them will be trapped in a never-ending cycle and vortex of trying to earn his love or perform and become so frustrated from trying to work hard enough that most will throw in the towel, give up, and walk away saying, I'm done. I'm so thankful for God's grace. Ephesians 2, 8, we're saved by grace through faith when we believe it's not of our works. And if we live in such a performance-based society, I think we need to be reminded of that on a, t- on a, a timely basis. It's, it's God's undeserved, unmerited favor granted to us. This truly is amazing grace. And we need to receive that. And as we receive that, then we can go and share that hope with others that don't know this truth. I want you to think of something. Uh, I want you to think of someone that uh, has demonstrated great love or generosity to you that has changed your heart. I want you to just close your eyes for a moment. And just, I want you to put everything aside and see if you can think of someone that has demonstrated really great love or generosity to you. And it's been dispensed in such a manner that it's changed your life. Can you think of someone? Okay, you can open your eyes now. If you take that and magnify it a thousand times, I think you begin to understand God's great love for you and others. Uh, Please know that God's love for you is authentic. It's never-ending. And it's not performance-based. It's simply grace-based. You can't perform good enough to earn his love. And the great news is you can't be bad enough to be disqualified. <laughs> Amen. Now, I just had you do something, and, and uh, I ask you to think of someone or someone's. And outside, the people here at Life Fellowship that has demonstrated such love and grace to you, how many people can you think of that has filled that role? How many people have you come in contact with that has loved you with that kind of love and grace? that's changed your heart. Maybe maybe you can think of one person. Maybe you can think of five people. Maybe you can think of 10 people. And if you think back at the thousands, maybe tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people you've encountered over the course of your life, and even if it were 100 people that's touched your life in that way, that would be a pretty small number percentage-wise of all the people that you've come in contact with. And this is a question I want to ask you this morning. How many being asked that same question would be thinking of you? They're thinking, oh, I know somebody that has changed my life because of the generosity and the love that they've expressed to me. It's changed my heart. Would somebody be thinking of you? I hope so. Because that's the kind of love that will change the world. That's the kind of love that will draw people to Christ. When we see, when others see us living it out, when they see that we live it. So I ask you to pray this prayer that you will have the kind of love that God has for you and others and pray that on a regular basis. God, I pray that we would have the kind of love for each other and and for others that you have for us and that you have for them. God, 
that you would so fill us with your passion for you and for others that our lives would be, would be radically changed, God, and that uh, the, the outflow of that would be reaching a lost and dying world and encouraging those that need encouragement and, and shining and sharing the love and the light of Christ with those who don't know you. So, Father, I pray that for us, that you would give us that kind of love for others that you have for them and us. In Jesus' name. All right, I'm ready to start now. My first point is, where is your treasure? Let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. And it says, don't store up your treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. This is written in red, so this is Jesus speaking here. It's funny how we can get so caught up in the things that really don't matter. And you know what? I'm one of those. You know, I get, get all caught up on not messing something up or scratching something. And, and we, we work all of our lives to earn all this stuff just to die and pass them on to somebody else. And, and we need to enjoy the blessings of God. But we need to understand that, that um, these things are temporal. And there are things that are more important. Let me read on here. Matthew 6.20. Store your treasures in heaven where moss and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. This Greek word for treasure here is thesaurus. And it means a store. It also means a, a, a storehouse for precious things. A, stored up, a place where you can store up treasures and riches. Um, so we store up our treasures and riches in heaven where moss can't eat them and rust don't destroy them. And uh, our emphasis is, should be on the things that are eternal, not on the things that are temporal. Now, of course, I know that we, we all have to go to work and we all have to do things like wash dishes and scrub the bathrooms and those kinds of things. But even in those ordinary tasks and activities, we can still be reflecting the heart of God and we, we can still... Be, especially at our workplaces, we can be reaching out to those that don't know the Lord and, and we can be sharing this message of hope of Christ with them. And really what we're doing is when we're doing that, we're investing in their lives. We're pouring into them and, and helping them to see that there are more important things sometimes than what our focus can become. Matthew 6.20 Store your treasures in heaven where moss and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And a lot of times I associate this passage with uh, tithing and, and sometimes you'll hear teachings on tithing and things like that, uh, tithing and giving. But this is a biblical truth and it's a principle. It, again, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And I think it should be written, if I were writing it, I would say where your heart is, there your treasure will also be. But that's not what it says. It says where your treasure is. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So I want to ask you, where are your treasures? Where's your heart? Where your heart is, but where your treasures are. One way I look at this is the people are the things that I give my attention to indicate where my heart is. So we can, we can have a, a litmus test here and find out where our heart is when we find out what we treasure. Where do you invest your time and your talents 
and your treasures. If you look at your checkbook and your spending habits, you'll see where your heart is. That's a pretty easy check right there. And I challenge you to do this, all of us. Take out your checkbook next, later this week and look at it and see where your treasure is. Because if you're spending it on your boat, if you're spending it on, you know, whatever you're spending it on. And, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't take care of our families. I mean, we should be spending money on our families because we should be taking care of them. That should be a priority in our life. But you may be surprised, and it could be a good thing, when you look at your checkbook and see where your heart is because that's going to be determined where your treasure is. Look at your calendar. Where are you spending your time? You know, our time is probably even more valuable than money because we, we can lose money and we can get money, but time, once it's gone, it's gone. So where do you spend your time? Look at your calendar over the past few months and see where you've been spending your time because that will show you where your heart is. How are you using your talents? Where do you give your talents? God has given all of you gifts and talents. How are you using those? Are you using them for the Lord to build the kingdom of, of God? Um, I'm going to have a ta moment here, a couple of ta moments. And a ta stands for transparent, authentic, and honest. And that's where I just kind of lay my life out here and make myself vulnerable. But, um, you know, sometimes I'll share things that probably a lot of pastors wouldn't share. And maybe it's not wisdom for me to share. But listen, he knows. And, and we're about being authentic here. We're family. Let's be real. And uh, a number of years ago, I, I was brought up in a Christian home, but I wandered away and, and uh, I started playing in a lot of uh, non-Christian bands. And that's where my heart was. I've always loved music. And that was my focus. It was kind of sex, drugs, and rock and roll for me. But when the Lord began to touch my heart, when the Lord began to change me, I began to see a different allocation of my time and my talents and my treasures. And uh, I stopped smoking dope. I used to smoke a lot. And, uh, and I stopped. I stopped sleeping around. I began giving my music and my talents to the Lord. These were things that I valued. They were things that where my heart was because my lifestyle reflected those things. And when I say I stopped, really, I have, to, I have to give credit to the Lord because the Lord really began to remove some desires from my heart. He began to uh, transform my life. And I got to where I didn't even like getting high anymore. I just didn't like it. And so God began to, like, like you think of you're pulling a weed out of the soil and, and rather than just snap it off, you just gently pull and kind of shake that weed so you get every fiber and every root out of that weed so that you can get rid of all of it and god did that for me and i know that sometimes i've i've known people that have quit uh drinking or smoking or using drugs or whatever just like that but that's not always the case sometimes god is very deliberate in making sure he gets all of that stuff out and so the desire to smoke went up and smoke I didn't even like getting high anymore. I just, you know, and it was a gradual thing for me. But God changed my heart. And as my heart changed, I was transformed. I was changed. 
And, and that's God's great passion for us, that we will be changed, that we will come into greater alignment with him, that we will come into greater relationship with him. God wants to draw us into that intimate place with him, not just on Sunday morning when we go to that worship zone, but through our life. And you know, our mission statement here is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ because that's what it's all about, guys. Getting into that place and living in that place with him. And as we do, the allocation of our time, our talents, and our treasures begin to change as he transforms our life. Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so as God begins to, to remove some of the filters and this junk from our lives and begins to backfill that with his love, our lives are changed. So my first point this morning is where's your treasure? My second point is where's your heart? My heart is devoted to him first. I've committed my life to the Lord. Now, do I ever mess up? Yeah, of course I do. But my journey began over 30 years ago, and it's still going today. Actually, my journey began long before that, I guess. But I'm still on the journey. But that's when I really rededicated my life to the Lord, even though I've been brought up in a Christian home. And, and that's why we say that spiritual growth and maturity is a lifelong process because we're always growing. God is always working in our hearts. God is always working in our lives to draw us closer to him. So this morning, I want to ask you, where's your heart? It's another uh, slide. Our passion is the expression of what's in our heart. And I've shared this with you before. I, I love the voice, and I think it's starting again next week. But I love, I love that, that show because those people are just laying it all out on the line. They're giving it all. What if we did that on a daily basis? What if we left it all on the field for him? And, and instead of being focused on some of the mundane things and the things that are temporal, we, we begin to shift our focus to the things that are more eternal people. What if we were a little more deliberate about praying for our coworkers? What if we were a little bit more deliberate about praying, God, give me a little more patience today as I deal with someone that's irritating? I'm very passionate toward the Lord. I'm very authentic and real with him. And that's what I encourage you to, to be, to be authentic and, and just be real with him. I'm very committed to him. I, as I've shared, I, I'm human. I stumble and fall. But I'm very passionate about this calling to pastor life fellowship. And I'm extremely passionate about you. I'm, I'm so honored to be able to shepherd this church. And, and I love you guys. I'm very, very passionate about you. My heart is here with all that he's called me to. My passion is here. And if you looked at our checkbook, you would find that our financial commitment to Life Fellowship is serious. When you look at our calendar, you would find that our calendar is seriously tied to the ministry and the work here. And to your lives, ministry is serving. 
this mission and, and calling drives me. And, and I have challenges just like you do. I like what Tavares said a, a few weeks back. He, I think we were playing uh, Jesus at the center. And he said, Jesus should be our number one priority. He should be the center of our life. But he should be the center of the second priority and the third priority and the 187th priority. He should be the center of our life. And so we say that we have God first, but is he the center of our life, of everything we do? So these are my priorities. I try to keep God first, Christine second, my mom third, and Life Fellowship Ministries International as the next priority. And sometimes I fail in this. Um, September 4th was Christine and, and my, uh, my anniversary. It was a Friday, and we had planned to do some things. I had to take my mom to a doctor's appointment. I had to uh, meet a guy at her house to do some work. We're trying to get her house on the market, and I had some other things. But we did go and see a movie, and if you haven't seen War Room, let me put in a plug for War Room. Uh, we, we went and had dinner, so we spent a nice uh, evening together, and then on Saturday, we had planned to go to Galveston to the Strand, and then she wanted to go to an art gallery, and well, we woke up Saturday, and, and it was raining, and uh, she said, well, I've got some things that I need to do here, and there was something that came up that I needed to do on Saturday related to Sunday morning service that I hadn't planned, I didn't know about, and so I had to come up here, and I had to work for a few hours, and uh, it was much longer duration. It was a much longer duration than what Christine had in her mind. It was longer than what I thought. And by the time I got home, she was angry. Well, she was hurt. Well, she was hurt and angry. Um, and so I, I say all that to say that I know it's a struggle. I know it is. But we need to be deliberate. And one of the things that we say here is people first, ministry second. People first, ministry second. And I didn't demonstrate that. Because she felt like she wasn't first. On our anniversary weekend, man, I tell you what, when you're going to blow it, that's not the weekend to blow it, right? But she's gracious and loving and kind. And so, man, you know, Listen, when we blow it, our wives take that very personal because they think that something else is more important than they are. And the only thing, the only thing that should be more important than our spouse and our family is our Lord. So it's, it's still a struggle sometimes. And, you know, we've had situations happen here where uh, because of, of this deliberate approach to people first, ministry second. Sometimes ministry has to suffer. But if it has to suffer for the sake of a person, then it will have to suffer. So God is passionate for us. Like I talked about, if you missed that teaching on August the 16th, go back and, and watch that online. But God is very passionate toward us. And it's my hope and my prayer that we will grow in that passion toward him, that we will continue to be infused with his great love. Lack of passion results in mediocrity. <laughs> I don't, 
talk a lot about football, but I thought this was such a great example of about passion and mediocrity. How many of you watched the Texans last week? I, I was disgusted with what I saw. Third and 22, they're backed up to what, their 10-yard line, and they, they're going to run a, a running play. They don't have Arian Foster, their lead running back. And I was thinking, really, is Gary Kubiak back over here? You tried these things how many times before in the past? They didn't work then. They don't work now. And so they tried something, and it just it failed miserably. It, they looked like they had no passion. They looked like they were flat. Now, with the exception of J.J. Watt. I mean, that guy always has passion. <laughs> you know, and, and that's, I think that should be inspiring to the other players because that guy's like running 100 miles an hour. I mean, he's full in all the time, whether they're winning or losing. And even on a, on a team that's getting whipped terribly, you see that guy giving it his all. That we would be like. Even in a lost and dying world where, where there seems to be no hope, even if you're working for a corporation that seems to have no hope, you can be the one to encourage one another. You can be the one to lead the way and say, you know what, this may be falling apart around me, but I'm going to continue to serve God. I'm going to continue to press into him. I'm going to continue to be encouraged because I know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then I compared the, the Texans game or the Cowboy game. Adam, I know you're happy. I know you Cowboys fans are. Yeah. <laughs> but what was it, a minute and 47 seconds? They were down, and you could just see the, the difference in their approach. They're like, I think Tony Romo probably said, come on, guys, we can do this. We can do this, and they did it. They pulled it out at the last minute. But you see such a change there. And, and the whole dynamics of what was going on, where the Texans were just kind of complacent and lackadaisical, and the Cowboys were like, you know, the game's not over till it's over, till that final second hits. And let me tell you, your game is not over until that final second. <sighs> so, who or what is driving you? Are you seeking God's will, or does it even really matter? You know, sometimes I've seen people that they're, they're perfectly fine following the will of God as long as it goes along their path. But when God wants to do something different, well, okay, I'm, not, I'm, I'm going my own path here. What or who drives you? What is the commitment in your heart? What is your passion? What is your relationship with Christ really like? Jesus emphasized the importance of our relationship with him. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, Jesus underscores the importance of this relationship with him. Let's go to 7, 21 through 23. This has always been a passage of scripture that has really got my attention. He, he says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Verse 20, 21 continues, only those who actually do the will of my father in heaven will enter. 22, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. Verse 23, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Here we see people that are moving in power, but Jesus says, I don't know you. 
And this, this Greek word for know means to know experientially. It means to have a relationship with, to have firsthand knowledge of. The demons from hell know who Jesus is, but they're not in covenant with him. They don't have a relationship with him. And I've heard people say, and you probably have too, heard people say, Jesus Christ. That's not having a relationship with him. In fact, that's all I would say. That's hinging on using the Lord's name in vain. And I don't like it when people say that. And what Christina said sometimes, uh, she'll say, well, that's who I call on when I have a, a problem as well. <laughs> Calling on the right name. Just to try to get them to think, you know. But to walk in the fullness of life that Jesus came to give us requires that we have a relationship, not just know about his name. I was thinking about this this week, and I was thinking I could call the White House and ask to speak to the President of the United States, Barack Obama. I know his name, <laughs> but I don't know him, and I doubt that he would take my call. But what about Jesus? We all know his name. Do we know him? Do we know him experientially? Do we have a relationship with him? Be honest with yourself this morning. What does that look like? Are you passionate towards him like he is toward you? Are you in relationship with him? Yelling out, Jesus Christ! That doesn't make us have a relationship with him. It's more than that. I'd like for you to close your eyes. Again, I want to ask you a series of questions here. Who or what is driving you? What is driving you? Is it money? Is that what drives you? Is it selfish ambition? Maybe, maybe you're driven by your insecurities. Oh, I need affirmation, so I'm going to do this just so I can be get a pat on the back. Or I need fill in the blank, whatever that may look like. Are you seeking God's will or does his will even really matter? What is the commitment in your heart? What is your passion? What about your relationship with Christ? What about that? Let's be honest today. Let's evaluate that and say, God, what is my relationship with you? Being driven can be good or bad. It really depends on what or who is driving us. It's what or who that's driving you that determines if it's good or bad. We're going to take some time this morning and, and worship. And I want you to just be real with God today. I want you to ask him if there's anything else that he wants to say to you this morning. If there's anything in your life that, that you're holding back. If you're holding back on, on being passionate toward him because maybe you've been hurt or wounded. Listen, you, you need to let that go. If you need to extend forgiveness to someone, then do that. But let's just take a couple of moments this morning and say, God, is there something in my heart? I'll tell you what, before we do that, if you bow your heads and close your eyes, is there anybody here this morning that doesn't have a relationship with the Lord? Maybe you had one at one point in time, but you've walked away. Anybody here this morning? Listen, there's no shame in that. The tragic thing would be to walk out of this building and not restore that this morning. You don't have to wait for some special time. Anybody here?
Well, let's just take some time this morning in worship. And if you would like prayer, Richard and Raina and I will be up here to pray with you. But if not, let's just take some time and say, God, speak to my heart. Pour into me this morning. ambitions, our, our pride, our arrogance, your Lord over all that. And Father, we just lift our lives up to you and we say, Father, we pray that you would fill us with a greater passion for you, understanding your great love for us and how much you really love us. And we proclaim today that you do indeed love us passionately. And Father, I pray that we would continue to grow in that relationship and the demonstration of that would be a greater love and passion toward you and, and the things that you call us to do and the people that are around us that you're passionate about. Let us be passionate toward them as well. So, fathers, we go out this week. We pray that you would help us in our struggles and our challenges to keep you the center of our life and that you would continue to work in our lives to bring fresh revelation to us the things in our heart that may not be pleasing to you or to guide us and lead us. We're thankful that Jesus, that you said, I go that the Holy Spirit may guide you and lead you into all truth. So we call upon the Holy Spirit this week to lead us and guide us into all truth and lead us through every circumstance and every circumstance, every circumstance and situation and that we remain focused on you and that we share the hope of Christ with those who don't know you. So Father, as we go from this place, we determine to lean upon you and go out and live it and make a difference in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here this morning. Bible study Wednesday. Go out and live it. You're a world changer.